Hey friends, as a church leader, you know that your ability to execute your vision comes down to staffing, facilities, and programming. All three of those things are fueled by one thing. That is generosity. Generosity is the fuel that drives your ministry engine. We are always trying to learn how to grow and create cultures of generosity that help fuel the vision. I want to introduce you to my friends over at The Giving Church, a brand new sponsor here at Unseminary, and they really do want to help. I love these guys, and you should lean in with them. Visit thegivingchurch.com forward slash unseminary for a free PDF. It's five ways to grow your church giving. The Giving Church, led by generosity coach, founder, and just amazing guy, Phil Ling, has worked with nearly a thousand churches of all sizes, including the size of your church in 40 different denominations and raised over a billion dollars to fuel incredible ministry. Don't run out of fuel for your ministry. Visit thegivingchurch.com forward slash unseminary today for your free PDF, five ways to grow your church giving. Again, that's thegivingchurch.com forward slash unseminary today. Are you looking for practical ministry help to inform and inspire your leadership? Do you have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of other leaders in pursuit of stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast, presented by CDF Capital, helping churches grow. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. So glad that you have decided to tune in today. You know, every week we try to bring you a leader who will help uh, and inspire you. And today we're super honored to have Mark Briggs with us. He is the Executive Vice President of Ministry Lending uh, at CDF Capital. This, This organization, if you're not familiar with them, they were founded in 1953 with a single vision uh, and mission of helping churches grow. Uh, they, you know, really the, there was a significant barrier at the beginning that was around in church expansion that was around financial need. But over the years, they've really grown from being more than just a lender. They really want to come alongside and help and support uh, churches like yours as you wrestle through these kinds of issues. And so uh, we're honored to get Mark on the phone uh, to have this conversation today. Mark, welcome. So glad you're here today. Happy to be here. Uh, just a, just a fan of, of your ministry and how you serve churches. And I'm just hopeful that uh, what we talk about can be an encouragement and, and maybe uh, give some good insight to your listeners. No. Hey, so super honored that you're here. Mark, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background? Give us your, how do you intersect with, you know, CDF Capital? How does that, how does that fit into the overall picture? Yes. Um, I'm proud to have been with CDF Capital for going on coming close to 23 years. And I never thought I would work in one place so long. I I, I did local <laughs> church ministry, uh, uh, surprisingly youth ministry for close to a decade ahead of Love that. It. I mean, that's that's the very natural transition, youth pastors to lending, <laughs> to lending. millions of dollars. I mean, who would you want to entrust more with, with those kinds of dollars? But um, by God's leading, I was able to get into the organization in a marketing role because uh, there, again, there was no direct line from what I was doing. And as I um, started to grow in my role and my understanding of what we did, you know, uh, even back then before it was our stated mission, our organization wanted to help churches grow. And and I saw the unique way that mm-hmm. we did. Uh, I've always loved, uh, not in a love of money way, but I've always just been drawn to finance. I like numbers. Uh, yeah. I like just thinking about 
you know, how to make that kind of stuff work. And I've just, uh, I, I've been accused of being a tightwad in my younger years, but I've grown through that. <laughs> but, uh, but I also love the church. I was in lo- local church ministry, loved so much about it, but it just wasn't a place where I saw myself being planted my whole life. And I actually mm. went into it a little more reluctantly. Um, mm. The churches I was at, primarily in Arizona um, at the time, had, had some great success. And that's kind of how I knew I wasn't a lifer. I think I like mm. to see things get done. And when you're uh, right. uh, in ministry, you do a lot of things, but there's just so, um, there's so much unfinished. And you're always looking mm. at uh, how do we work on that? And so, uh, so through the years, um, I've worked primarily uh, with a church, um, you know, as a field team member uh, where I would be out mm. and I would walk alongside of them. They would say, here's our problem. And we would talk about how we could help with that solution. And one of the things, Rich, that Again, I never thought I'd be drawn to that, but one of the things in this that has just kind of blossomed in the way we do what we do is I just love walking alongside of leaders and just uh, making it to where they don't have to be alone. They don't have to repeat mistakes others have in the past. They don't have to, um, they don't have to um, be just overwhelmed by this, but to be mm-hmm. a partner to help them through just such a crucial process has been great. Mm-hmm. So I love the relational part. I love mm-hmm. the strategic part and uh, the kingdom part is what makes it worthwhile for me. And so done that for a while, the last five years or so, I've actually led our team uh, mm-hmm. who does that. They work with hundreds of churches across the country um, and help them uh, basically put the um, finance the dream. And so mm-hmm. I, I love being able to do that. And again, I loved working alongside the churches and I wasn't mm-hmm. sure how I liked making this transition, but in the same way, I love coaching our guys uh, who mm-hmm. do the same thing. And, and mm-hmm. so that's, that's given me a lot of fulfillment though. I do miss at times uh, being on the campus and, and walking with them and <laughs> figuring out those problems. So that's kind of wow. how I, I got to where I'm at. So good. Well, listeners, uh, dear listeners, I want to, uh, let you behind the screen, demystify a little bit. I'm hoping today, I, you know, I know so many of us, we, you know, if you're in a growing church, if you're trying to reach the community, there is always this gap. There's this gap. We we have to generate more space somehow. We have to figure out how we're going to create places where people can come and connect with the message. And, and oftentimes that comes with like a financial gap where we're like, man, I'm not sure how do we make all this happen? And we frankly might get nervous about reaching out to an organization like CDF Capital. It's like, we're people, people, we're vision people. And it's like, oh man, uh, Mark even said he was a tightwad when he was younger. I, I How am I going to call this guy? And so I'm hoping by the end of today's conversation that you'll know, man, the, our friends at CDF, they really are in your corner and they want to help you solve problems and we want to help that. So Mark, let me kind of set up a scenario that I'm hearing a lot these days with the churches I'm talking to. So we've come out of COVID, we're, we're through that. And it feels like, okay, we've, you know, we've settled out, you know, our giving feels like, okay, we're kind of through those, the, the, all of that craziness. Uh, but man, we look around, we've, we've gone from two to three services. We've added people um, where our kids ministry is starting to push in. Um, you know, we've, we've taken on new ministries that we weren't doing before. We maybe we're, we're doing more community engagement stuff now, and we've got square footage issues. Um, man, what do I do? <laughs> Who do I call? Where do I start? Uh, you know, what's your look at that as somebody from kind of the ministry lending, uh, you know, point of view? Yeah, I, that's, a, that's a great question. I would say when they're thinking that 
not that it's already late, but it's never too early to be asking those questions because it's going to take years. Oftentimes, I mean, there are exceptions where something may come up, but even if you're able to buy a building in three or four months, it it could take a year to build it out, depending where you're at and to what level. But I think um, I would affirm that in the church to say, you know, I've seen what happens when you have a permanent space. I know it's important. And so it's not too early to have that conversation. And so I think the next steps um, would, would primarily be um, just really understand what God's calling your church to. I mean, there's some mm-hmm. churches, and I say this to someone who finds this building, there's some churches that aren't meant to be as large or maybe the leadership structure, and maybe they want to just plant churches. So you just need to decide, first of all, you know, what do you think God's calling you to do in your community? And then if you're convinced, hey, we need a place, a per- place of permanence, a permanent location, um, I think really that that comes down to uh, knowing your community, knowing where you want to be. Um, but I think it's never too early, uh, even if you don't have that place nailed down to connect with a financial partner. And I, I could, I obviously believe in what we're doing and mm-hmm. we'd love to help you, but whether that's us or someone else, uh, try to understand what your capacity is because a lot of churches, especially if it's a younger church, rich, you know, they, they've started, they've been pouring into their community, pouring into growth. Um, a lot of times these churches are trying to just get, you know, their tentacles into the community and it's, it's just off their radar of what mm. does it look like to be owners? What does it look like to change your budget there and everything else? And so I think connecting with someone, uh, it could be another leader who's gone through before, or even again, we'll do that for free. Just mm. walk you through what are the things that you need to be thinking about as ahead of even finding that facility. And then once you've found a place, um, I think, uh, that conversation is even more important because you could certainly talk to experts on the space going, what can we do? Will that fit? I mean, there's times if like Rick Warren would say, you don't want the shoe to turn in the size of the foot. So you don't want a place so small, you're not going to be able to grow. But if you're able to find a place of size that you go, we can grow here, then along with what can we afford, which us mm. or some other lender may be able to help you with, you need to talk to those experts, architects, planners who right. can go, can it work for us? So that's that's the introductory step. Right. But again, what I love about what we do is we don't mind being a sounding board three years before you do something because we know there's a lot of different directions that could go. Yeah, that's good. That's good. That's good. Even just basic advice, like, hey, friends, uh, whether, you know, even if you're not currently working with CDF Capital, whoever your lender is, whoever your financial, mm-hmm. these are your, these are our friends, like reach out to them, engage with them, um, have the conversation. Let's, let's kind of drill into that, understand your capacity. <clears throat> so uh, let's say I'm okay, I'm going to reach out to you. I, mm-hmm. I want to have that conversation. What are, you know, help me kind of bullet point through some of the high level questions that I should be thinking about to kind of prepare even for a conversation like that, that I could get ready to kind of be ready to kind of talk you through where we're at to get a sense of what, you know, what are some of those things you're commonly asking questions you're commonly asking churches as they think about their capacity? Sure. I mean, some of it, I mean, is looking at some of their just attendance and growth numbers. Uh, I don't think we're often doing a ton of consulting on here's the size of building. I think a lot of leaders, you know, they know where they're at in their town. They know what they're looking at. I think where we can we can kind of be the reality check, not in a discouraging mm-hmm. way. You know, one of the things you've probably heard me say even in, in our conversations is just we just don't want you to get so far over your skis mm-hmm. where you're you're kidding yourself because you're mm-hmm. you, 
you know, there's times there's these dreams are really big and we don't want to crush them, but we want to make sure that the expectations are right. And so I think when we're talking to a church in those early days, you know, um, again, what we would do, we're highly consultative. I mean, we're not mm-hmm. looking, I mean, obviously money makes ministry, it helps fund it, but early on, we just, we want to help churches grow and be that trusted partner. And so we would just, mm-hmm. um, our field people can, uh, with a few questions on their financial health, you know, how they use their money, how, you know, what their savings position is, what their capacity is in the church, we can get a pretty good idea quickly of, of that kind of capacity. And so there's that early round. And then, you know, in successive conversations, we would gather their finances. And oftentimes we're willing to run them through as if they're asking for a loan. I mean, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll use that time and, um, um, expertise and and have we have a team of people who can do that because we just recognize how important it is for a church not only to recognize where they're at now but we can coach them and say but you're obvious almost every time rich they need more than they can afford and so what we Shocker. do we also just kind of <laughs> coach uh, crazy it's always it, everything doesn't usually cost less or go go quicker it it, it costs more and, and and go slower but we can kind of say here's where you would need to be in order to handle the, the kind of scope that you're considering. And so those are the first questions, um, but just really dialing into whether or not they're ready. If they're too young, usually under two or three years, we'll talk to them, but we highly discourage them from doing anything permanent when they're still figuring out who mm-hmm. they are. And so that yeah. those are some of those first steps. That's good. That's good. There's some good, good benchmarky kind of things to think about there. Uh, talk us through. So the interesting thing, I face these problems. I'm like, okay, I'm thinking about, man, maybe we need to add some more space on, or maybe we need to renovate, or I've got, you know, we've got these 10 acres behind, should I add a new auditorium? And so then I'll go and talk with an architect and like, start talking with them and, you know, maybe give them a few thousand dollars and they come up with an incredibly beautiful drawing. And I'm like, that's amazing. Uh, but then how, how does that connect into the process? What are there any dangers we should avoid in, in, uh, in that? And obviously we love, you know, there's lots of great people who do this, Wonderful. you know, for a living. So it's, you know, we're not, we're not demeaning that industry by any means. Yeah. And I think that's where you don't, I don't think you want to go alone into that process where you're mm. paying someone to say, Hey, design us what uh, we want. Uh, I mean, yep. there, there's benefits to that. If you know how to stage it out or what they could go call phase it out. Uh, but architects are essential and I don't want any hate mail, but often they, they don't, they don't, they aren't excited about, Hey, let me do a generic low cost building. That's going to be small and get you on the site uh, in an unexciting way. You know, that's not generally their bent. And so I think if they have some understanding of programming, what they'll need, uh, architects can work with them on that. But I think the church really having some understanding from a financial partner or someone consulting with them on what they can handle responsibly uh, that really, you want to really give them a tight funnel through which to work with. Mm. Cause Rich, there's time, I could give you a lot of stories. There's times in my career where I've come to a church and they've spent a couple of years with a plan, with a dream in mind. They even have pictures on their wall and they go, Hey, can we do it? And, uh, and there's times when they're not even halfway there. I mean, just, right. and that's, that's just that that's a credibility issue for leaders in their church. I mean, I, I yeah. we want to help set you up for success to where your church doesn't get attached to a vision that's untenable. And so mm-hmm. I think I think bringing in those experts, but you just have to have realistic expectations. And it's not a downer per se. I, I guess 
we can get into more later, but I, I've just seen many churches who, when they get in that spot, end up borrowing a lot more. Mm-hmm. And while it can work, it can be devastating if, if right. like the stars don't align. And so I think that's the first step when you're, when you're walking through is having a team to look at it with eyes wide open. Uh, but also understanding it's, it's not going to be an easy process. Right. Yeah, that's good. I, well, and there's a, there's a piece of that, um, friends of ours at rise point, they're a, a firm that helps churches design firm. And, uh, you know, I know one of their, the thing, one of the things I love about them <coughs> just as people is they'll do these analysis where they'll, they'll end up in a church's facilities and talking through all that stuff. And the, the, they'll say it. He's talked about it publicly. Like the church assumes, Hey, we're going to build a bunch of new stuff, which you would think as a designer, they're incentivized to say, great, let's build a bunch of stuff. And he said, you will not believe how many times I've ended up in conversation saying, I don't think you should build anything. Like, I don't, don't do that. Like let's let's add another service or like, you know, instead of doing this whole big thing, what if we made these four small changes that are actually not changing the envelope. And like, that's the kind of partner you're looking for someone who's saying, Hey, let's try to make some wise financial decisions. Um, Can you give me a sense of the kind of typical scope, like size of church that you guys work with? What is that? You know, if there's churches that are out there that are thinking about these kind of questions, um, you know, what, what does that typically look like? And I know typical is a hard, that's a hard question. I I understand. It's a good one. And there's, there's exceptions. Like we'll have churches of 300 or we'll have churches of, I mean, we actually have a church of, churches of over 10,000, but um, I, I'd say the sweet spots, that 500 to 1500, uh, again, right. that can, that can uh, the elasticity can be on either side of that um, because sometimes when you get into the, you know, more mega, larger mega mm-hmm. churches, they, you know, a lot of those roles are professional and the consultative piece, they don't need as much of. I still think we can add value to them and, and we have, but I mm-hmm. think it's those churches, they've been in launch phase, they've been in, we're trying to get that first building, or we're trying to make the first and second phase work, but they don't have like, just, they can't just pay everyone, you know, they, mm-hmm. they, 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 getting through that stage, it's probably the most exciting time in the church's life, having mm-hmm. worked mm-hmm. in and been a part of a mega church, but it's, it's a time when you got to make your resources go as far as possible. And so you may have an executive right. pastor or even volunteers until you get to that point. And I think in those cases for us, that's when we can bring a whole wealth of just experience and advice to them that can help round out where they're at and help them get to that next step. And so, um, but again, we'll have partners we'll work with, you know, through many stages, even mega mega. And there's like a, a, a high level of trust. But what we find is they get to a certain point where some of the consultation, it's just, you know, they have more of that in house, so to speak. Right. Okay, so that that's sense. the range. I hope that's not too long an answer, but hopefully. No, 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 that's good. That's super helpful. And yeah, I get that. And, you know, I, I can see like one of the things I love about, about CDF is, and hopefully this is coming through friends, that this idea that you're coming alongside churches and trying to have these conversations, it's more than a transaction. It's how do we, you know, try to have a transformation? We know that there's something happening in your church that is bigger than just you're taking a loan and building something or launching a campus or whatever, this is going to have an impact. And on the other side of the table, you want people who are, you know, friendly lenders, more than friendly lenders, really are partners in, mm-hmm. you know, in this. Um, How would you, from your side, on the kind of the lender side, sure. let's say that we're, you know, I've got a relationship with a lender, maybe it's CDF, maybe it's somebody else. 
and maybe things aren't going quite as well. Or I'm wondering, I've got these early questions. I'm like, man, I'm seeing some things happening in our numbers that I'm wondering about. Should I try to like hide that? <laughs> That's maybe too, but softball of a question, but you know, what, what should I do? Like, I'm, I'm a little freaked out because I'm like, man, things aren't maybe looking as good as, as they were when we first set in on this interest rates are going up employment and I'm seeing people lose their jobs. We're seeing maybe some stuff happen in the donor community. Um, at what point should I really look to say, Hey, you know what? I should re-engage with my lender, have this conversation. Um, what, what Good question. Well, yeah. And I can't speak for uh, most other lenders simply because they may go, Oh, red flag. These guys are seeing some declining trends in this area or that area. I think for us, I mean, our whole mindset, even if we never have a loan and it's actually as a sidebar, that's one of the re reasons I'm really loving our team and our direction now because, you know, there's there's many different paths churches can take, and we just want to uh, we're not going to do everyone, and we want to just make sure that those we talk to we can leave them better uh, in a better situation. So if they're in that situation, you know, my encouragement is one: if you're with a lender that you can trust who knows you, um, mm. and again, I have some bias, obviously, it's going to help you on the back end, because if you hide something from them and then you squeak by, there may be, ex I mean, this is a principle in a lot of life, right? There may be yes. expertise or input that they could have given you that could have kept you from that place where three years from now, you can't hire any more staff and you desperately need a couple of positions. Uh, but you, 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 you know, you wanted yes more than you wanted maybe the right thing uh, for your mm. church and ministry. And so, I, th I just think our bias and there's others who are similar is I tell our guys and they tell our churches is not what do we want to do or what are, what's the most we can do? It's how can we help? How can we help this happen right. in the best way possible? So we're, we're looking into solutions with them. And so I think find a lender that is going to ha have that partnership in mind and, and it's a long-term thing. The other part of that rich that is assumed is they can't wait another year or two or three because mm -hmm. that's, that's terrifying. That's not terrifying. I mean, it's, that's the last thing a leader wants to hear, especially post-COVID when they've been at the mercy of not owning their facilities or whatever or having space issues. But man, I've seen many churches rush into situations where if they would have just waited, seasoned a little more, worked through mm -hmm. a leadership issue, waited for a declining trend to flatten or get better. They're just in a lot better place. And the toll it takes on those leaders uh, mm -hmm. can, can mean they get, get out of ministry and end up leaving that church because it's just so much pressure. So I'd say be transparent. And if they, if, if, if that doesn't serve you well, and they, they look at you a whole different way, then you may have the wrong partner, but honestly, they may just be telling you the truth and what mm -hmm. you can handle. Does that, does that make sense? That does make sense. Yeah. I, you know, it's interesting. This is one of those areas where I feel like pastorally one-on-one, -on -one, we coach our people in one way, but then when we think about <laughs> our lenders, uh, if I can be totally honest, we think about our lenders in a different way. Right. And so we would think about, Hey, I want to help, um, you know, the people in my church to have a reasonable debt load. And they, you know, someone, a young family might come to us and say like, Hey, we're thinking about a mortgage and like standard advice is do not take all the mortgage that they will give you, right. like, you know, don't do that. But then we, we turn around and we go to a lender and we're trying to figure out how do we take on the biggest debt possible? Uh, because whatever we need a new kid space or whatever it is. And um, that's a red, that's a red flag for sure. Are there and any for, ratios on that side that we should be thinking about? Like, are there rules? 
rules of thumb around like too much debt or, you know, and I realize every situation is different, but, you know, are there things like that, even just size of debt that we should be avoiding? Yeah. You know, I think I can give you some good feedback. I will say one more thing before I forget, Rich, is, Mm -hmm. um, I mean, honestly, it's, and I take this approach with those I work with, if the church is hiding things from you, the lender's going to generally know if you're being evasive. Right. And I, I say hiding, I don't mean yes. the worst of intentions, but I mean, but if you, if churches are open, I'll have churches go, Hey, we struggled here. We struggled here. Then you just move forward going, I, the, the trust level is high. And I actually Absolutely. think it serves them better in, in any of those situations. Um, some of the ratios, you know, we, I, I will say this, these have been tested because, uh, about a decade into my work there, a little less than that, actually, you know, before the financial crisis around 2008 to 10, um, we were, we, we, we made some decisions that weren't great for churches. Mm. We said, yes, we were not wanting to be, um, say no, we weren't wanting to be perceived as not having vision or not being behind the church. And so, um, after we had many churches struggle deeply. We went back and did a deep dive into what we should have done. A lot of these ratios just really crystallized. We used them before, but we saw the ones that mattered. And so the mm-hmm. statement I'll joke around with churches is we've made more bad decisions on church lending than many, many, church, many lenders out there. And that, that's, it's kind of a fun way to say we want to <laughs> yeah. learn from our mistakes. Yes. And yeah, so, yeah, yeah, that's great. And, and so when churches trip a couple or more of these, it often ended up with issues. Could the stars align? Yeah. But sure. um, I think one of the big ones that we would look at, I mean, it's pretty standard one is the amount of debt in comparison to your total income. We call it debt mm-hmm. to income. It's a really creative yep. title, right? But, um, you know, generally you go, you don't want to be a whole lot more than three, maybe three and a half if you're in growth mode. And you absolutely, once you get over four times your annual income, we just, that's just tough. Maybe you're on a rocket ship or there's some other outliers that can help, but that's one that whenever we go over that without a way to mitigate that very clearly, it's, it, it can be, it can put just so much pressure on a church. So if their annual income's mm-hmm. a million, loaning more than 4 million um, may not, may be tough. And set, frankly, if they're spending a lot of money and other things, loaning them more than 2 million may be too much, but right. That's a, that's a, that's one to look at. Three is usually where you want to be. Um, another one we'll look at is uh, we call it expense coverage ratio. It's basically if we look at all your income and expenses and we layer on a debt payment, we can take out whatever the rent payment is. Um, and and what we want to see is we want to see that you can cover your expenses with your income. That would be an expense coverage ratio of 100%. I mean, really, we would like to see 105, 110 with some buffer. Banks. Traditional lenders will often want to see 120. We're a ministry lender. We understand churches aren't, most churches in growth mode aren't sitting on that kind of margin. And so, especially when it's a pretty daunting step, will we do some for less than 100? Yes. But again, their growth curve, uh, I'm doing hand signals for those in the audience. <laughs> yes. But their growth curve, their trends, uh, their capacity to, to, um, make this make changes uh should they not grow as much those are factored in but that that's another big one if we see that in the red like under 100 we go can they handle this and again we're as consultative as we are as directive and so we try to walk them through that and so um 
The other one we we typically look at, and this is a really good one, is what's the percentage of your income percentage of your income that you use for debt? And so, um, with young churches getting in their own new building and stretching, that can be up to thirty percent, thirty three percent. We've right. done more. Again, I'm a little embarrassed that we have done more because it's just a lot on a church. And so usually we recommend, um, and that more mature churches aren't going to be a lot closer to this, but we recommend try not to get higher than 20 or 25% because we recognize, I've looked at the pie chart of, of expenses. If you have 40, 50% go to staff, 10% missions, you know, operations and those things that everything else in the church is 10%. You suddenly don't have a whole lot of room. If you're spending more on debt, then you you'll end up having little for mission, little mm-hmm. for staff, and again, uh, it's your balance. And one thing I've noticed through the years, Rich, is it's easier to do a loan of expansion often for a younger church than an older established church. Seems mm-hmm. counterintuitive, yeah, but the older established churches, especially the debt-free ones, praise God they're debt-free. But what do right. they do? Their staff budget gets really bloated. Right. They go, we're never given below 15% missions, you know, because mm-hmm. that's what it says in scripture. You know, they kind of go, they right. have all these convictions. And, um, but then making that adjustment, new leader comes in, they start growing and they have 70%, 80% of their money committed. And it, it's a right. tough adjustment. So that's how that ratio kind of folds into the reality in churches. That, that's good. Just um, help me sharpen my pencil on those. You those la- how those two, those last mm. two connect with each other. So totally debt to income, understand that expense to coverage <laughs> ratio in that 100, 100, 110 yeah. Are you in, would include the debt, current debt service in that number. That would be like, so if you're, you know, whatever, if you've got some sort of existing mortgage, maybe you're yeah. paying that off, you're on the last five years of that and you want to build something new, that would be included in that 100, 110, 120%. It would. It would be all your existing expenses plus whatever expenses you're taking on. Uh, right. So okay. if you are in an existing building already, you're just going to add on. If you're renting something, then provided that lease ends, you're going to be replacing that. And then what we'll do is we'll back out any one-time expenses you paid for a consultant or or some of these mm-hmm. other things. And so one of the things we'll coach people on, not to get too far ahead, is just when you're if we're having this conversation, Rich, three years in advance, and we know it's going to be a big step. You're going to go from like right. 10% of your money going to facilities to 25, 30. Mm-hmm. That's not a change you want to make in a year. Uh, and so if churches are really looking ahead, they're looking at how to get, I say, wean their budget to that place. Mm-hmm. And so maybe make some incremental steps uh, in next year's budget and the one after and try to discipline your budget to where you're getting it ready. And and that that makes it a lot more absorbable uh, once yeah. you get there. So and we look for other ways to structure it where it can be. But um, we want to know that. We've been in the place where we go, hey, if you build it, they will come. I mean, everyone at one time or another thinks that. And there's certain situations you can almost predict it, but wow, that we want the churches, if it doesn't materialize, right. we, we don't want them to be strained to where they can't carry out their their mission. Yeah, totally. I literally just this week was in a conversation with a church that I'm coaching with, and we were talking around, it was literally this exact issue. and. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, over the years, because I've been involved in multiple of these deal, you know, you know, situations where we've ended up taking on debt and all that. And and one of the things I've tried to live by is let's not make a decision that anyone outside of this room is going to have to solve long term. So functionally, it's like, 
let's, you know, if we're going to take on a mortgage, this leadership team should be able to structure their thinking around, can this group of people actually be the people that are going to pay this thing off? If we're, if it just is based on our kids are going to have to sort that one out, you know, 30 years from now, they'll have to figure that one out. Man, that is a, that's an inappropriate decision. I just don't, I just, I just don't think we should do that. I think we've got to be wise and make, make the decision that, and I understand people leave and change. I get that. I understand, but, but it's like, let's look at the current leadership team, make some decisions that are saying, okay, where do we picture this thing in 10 years? Or is there a possible that we could do this? Not again, it gets back to that. Don't take on as much debt as everybody will give you, you know, let's, let's try to be wise with those. Uh, That's, that's super good. I love that. Even that idea of, Hey, we want to make sure that that debt load stays below 30% of our total of our, you know, of our income, because I really think anything, well, even in that lane, even in that range, man, that's where you end up with that, you know, borrower is slave to the lender. It's like, gosh, man, that is just a significant, that's a, yeah, you don't want to end there. You yeah, definitely you don't, don't want to end there, but for a yeah. time, and that's where we are looking, if they're going to yes. end there and, and they're not a high growth church, we wouldn't want to go there. And yeah. so, yeah, that's um, good. That's good. That's super helpful. Uh, while I've got you another, this is a maybe inappropriate question to ask someone sure. who's in financial issues around church. Um, it might be a curveball from left field. In you know rates, where the rates just keep going up. Hmm. You know we're <laughs> wrestling with that. What what are you saying to churches these days? What should we be thinking about on that front? You know how are there? You know, how should that weigh into our decision making? Yeah, that's a great question. Our our whole. I'm going to just say our church world. I mean, it's true of our society. Yes. They've, they've gotten, uh, I was going to say drunk on, or they've gotten accustomed <laughs> to a rate environment that is nice, is historically low and it's not sustainable. Yes. And, you know, even in my working life, rates have always gone down in my time working right. on CDF Capital. When I started, it was in the eights and nines and tens, and it just right. kept going down. And uh, our team has a new reality in talking to churches and that affects that next phase because, as you know, costs aren't getting cheaper. Uh, it's just this weird area, but the, the cost of money is, is growing. And so uh, an example of that is if we have churches who have loans that are like up for a rate adjustment a year or two, mm-hmm. we're trying to come alongside them early. And, and there's ways it could be to our detriment because we're, you know, you kind of worried they'll look around because they want a lower cost. <laughs> but we're saying you got to prepare because, you know, we want them to thrive and, and they can't on short notice with the short runway. It's, um, you, you probably want to assume, and again, different lenders are different, but you should just be assuming eight, maybe in the mid eights, just wow. plan for the worst on interest yeah. rate when it, when it comes from an adjustment. And yeah. while that may, if churches have become dependent on it, that's not great. Uh, maybe this is that opportunity to say, raise some, I mean, maybe it's time for some sort of initiative or campaign to right. go pay down the money while it's cheap and set yourself up for later. And that can be a great result of this, but we're coaching them that while, while there are forecasters who think it could go down in the next couple of years, no one has a crystal ball and they should be planning that it's going to be there here, especially in that next year or two past that. I mean, it's anyone's guess, right. but um, it's a, uh, it's tough, but you know, use it as an opportunity to go to your people to say, Hey, we want to set up our church to not have to pay as much interest now and into the future. How can we do yeah. that? And yeah, so, absolutely. Um, yeah. Well, and I, I, I would think, <clears throat> listen, I, I know on the fundraising side, uh, paying down debt is hard money to, to raise. That's just, that is difficult money to get out and say, Hey, let's do, 
but this might be one of those windows where yeah. actually that might not be the case. You could build a, I think you could build a case as a, as a leader, as a part of an overall campaign around, Hey, let's try to pay this thing down because we know everyone, because people see it in their own, you know, their mortgages or whatever, if they're refinancing all that stuff, they like, yeah, they, man, this, this makes a big, this is a big difference. If we could try to do this um now now would be a time for sure so I, appreciate that i know that's a curveball question around oh i'm sure you get it all the time it's very appropriate <laughs> yeah. and i i think the other piece of it if i can say one more thing rich would yeah, be absolutely. that you know as churches um they when we were saying we're doing that loan what would 10 years ago we wouldn't have been saying hey get ready to pay things down you know i tend to think hey get a percentage of your budget you're okay with it being mortgage and as you grow, keep it at that. Just pay down your right. debt. I mean, don't hand yeah. it to the next generation as large. And even now, as what I was saying earlier, look ahead what it's going to be. And and the fundraising part is absolutely essential. Where there was a time years back where it, there's times we would lend almost every dollar they needed, which is kind of embarrassing. Wow. Uh, right. But right. we've learned from that. And if churches don't have that investment, their people don't have that investment. And it's just a different a different relationship. That's what I would encourage. Use it as an opportunity to just have less debt uh, right. through leveraging whatever is at your disposal to do so. Yeah, that's great. Well, I know I'm, I'm getting to that phase of my uh, ministry career, and I sense you are as well, uh, mm -hmm. that, man, I'm like, I keep thinking about this question, man, how do we leave this stuff better for the next generation? What can we do? How do we structure this stuff now so that you know, the folks that are coming after us, it's easier for them. They're able to, you know, focus on, and this is one of those areas. I think we've got to think very carefully around mm -hmm. how we structure the finances. And well, this has been great. What a fantastic conversation. I, I really am thankful for your time today. I want to point people to reach out. What you said earlier, I want to double check something you said earlier. You said you've got field staff who actually would be willing to have these conversations with churches, yes. even if it's early. Tell me about that. How do we access that? How do we start those conversations? Yes, we have field team members. They cover the country uh, based in Cincinnati, Portland, Atlanta, Colorado Springs, Southern California, and uh, Kansas City, uh, if I didn't say that. Yeah. And so um, on our website, you can go under you know leadership and it'll, it'll point out which of those team members are. I, I wish I had, uh, maybe we can make the link available, but yeah, they are, sure. I would say this team, you know, again, I'm, I'm biased, but the way we've built the team is to where you can talk to them and they don't need to go, well, let me call someone and get some answers. They've worked with a lot of churches. They've helped them through a lot of seasons and they can be extremely helpful, even in a short combo. Hey, this is where we're at. This is how much money we have. This is our income. This is our size. You know, the, these uh, leaders can really be helpful to get you thinking about some things. And if we need to go to a deeper level, we can bring some of our underwriting team into it. Um, you know, we obviously want to make it, have it make sense, but I, we want, we want to be an encouragement to churches. We want to be open-handed and uh, we don't have that scarcity mindset, but we just, if we can help your church take a little bit different of a path because of mm -hmm. some clarity you had from the beginning and you save time, money, expectation, uh, that means a ton to us as yeah. a team. And so if, if we can be helpful in any way, we'd love to to do so, Rich. Well, friends, I would, uh, yeah, I, I love the CDF Capital folks. Every time I interact with people in this organization, I'm struck by their deep care for, uh, you know, for the local church. And so I would heartily endorse, you should reach out to them, just cdfcapital.org. You can see, we'll put links in the show notes there. If you're thinking about construction stuff, if you're thinking about purchasing, if you're 
you know, thinking about refinance, all any of those kinds of things. Uh, take Mark's advice. There, you cannot come too early. I'm sure they get calls all the time where, you know, they're polite people, but on the other end of the line, they're thinking, man, I wish these people would have come to us a year ago, two years ago. <laughs> uh, so let's reach out now. Like now's a great season to reach out, give them a call and start the conversation. Even if it's just a niggling thing in the back of your head, like, man, I think, you know, one of the tripwires I've said on the church growth side, I do a lot of coaching on church growth is when churches go from two services to three services on Sunday mornings, I, you know, I'll say to them, that is a, um, you know, that's a stopgap measure that they usually, you know, that they, you're, you're going from 50% of your services are, uh, are non-optimal to two thirds of your services are non-optimal. You are probably going to need to do something, launch a campus, build a new building, do something. And so if you've tripped over that or are even considering that third service, now's the time to reach out to CDF Capital and talk with uh, them. So yeah, that's great. Well, Mark, any, any final words just as we uh, wrap up today's conversation? Yeah, I would say, and again, I we steer away from being too heavy-handed or commercial, but I, I think what makes it possible what we do, Rich, is you know we have close to ten thousand individuals and churches that have said, hey, we have money sitting in a bank doing whatever, and they can park that with us until they need it, and they will help us help more churches grow. In this lending environment, there's less uh, lenders. They're loaning because mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. less dollars in the marketplace. And mm-hmm. we're trying to be responsible and get ahead of that. And I would be remiss because uh, we're talking about wherever we are. Uh, we would we would answer any questions. And again, if people are interested or would be open to that, we'd love to have a conversation because you could earn a really good rate and you could know that those dollars are being used to help a lot of churches get in permanent facilities. These last couple of years, we've set records with how many churches we're helping have their own home. And so I just, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that. We'd love to invite, if there's anyone out there interested, we'd love to talk to you. Love it. So good. And we've done an episode in the past. We'll link to the show notes about that side of what CDF does. We'll make sure yeah. that, because uh, <clears throat> friends, if you've got, that's a very good point. If your church even has, you know, some excess income, you've got a, you know, a rainy day fund, you've got whatever you call it. Um, just reserves you know, even. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever you want to call that, you've got that fund somewhere. Uh, you know, you should think about putting it with CDF capital um, because not only will it, you'll get a good rate, but then on top of that, you'll also be helping other churches. So Absolutely. thanks so much, Mark. I appreciate you being here today. Uh, give us that website address again, where we want to send people if they, uh, if they want more information. Yes. It's cdfcapital.org. Thanks cdfcapital.org. Thanks for being here today. Thanks, Rich. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for tuning in to the Unseminary Podcast. Drop by unseminary.com for more helpful resources for you and your team. There you will find articles, online courses, and so much more. Unseminary, stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Presented by CDF Capital. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary.